Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Okay, can we say a word of prayer? that you would grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, so this is, the, this is the third week in our current series, um, Pray with Paul. Teach us to pray with, we've titled it. So I'll, I'll, just, I'll just go. You see, let's face it. Prayer is, praying is very hard, right? Shelly, you know, like Emmanuel mentioned two weeks ago in Lagos, praying is hard. Um, if you're an employee, you would, you, you know the word or the phrase nine to five doesn't make, doesn't make any sense anymore. So for most people now, it's now maybe eight to 10 or it's nine to 11 or it's, you know, it doesn't work anymore, right? So it means that you don't have the time to pray. You know, that's, this, that's the reason some of us give. So if you, you don't have the time to pray. Okay, let's say you get back from work or you're away from the stress. You know, you, you get back. You start to pray. You, you, you start you to know, try to say some words to God or try to look to your Bible and pray back to God. You find out that you dozed up. And the next thing when you woke up, is like alarm again for the 9 to 5. So you don't have the time. And now you don't have the energy to pray. So again, it could be that um, you're in control of things. You know, the last time you tried to pray, the last time you did fast, the last time you tried to do, you know, this thing. It didn't work out. You know, God didn't answer your prayer. And so you're not saying, I don't have tolerance for waste. I don't have tolerance for you know, this thing that, that might not work or doesn't work. So you don't have that kind of thing. Again, it may be that um, you, you find yourself in some repetitive kind of sin, you know, and then you've grown guilty, you've grown ashamed, and you can't draw to God anymore. You know, now you don't have holiness. That's the reason you give. Okay, maybe you try to pray, maybe you afford the time, you, you find yourself, you, you want to long to pray. But prayer has become some kind of superstition for you. So it's like, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the harm? You know, what if it works? You know, let me pray. Or maybe you keep praying. It could be that um, you pray in tongues. That is how you've learned how to pray. And now you're struggling to, you have these real needs on your heart that you want to tell to God in understanding. But when you get to the place of prayer, you find yourself short of words. So now you don't have words to pray, right? It could also be that um, you, 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 you think you should spend more time in praying, like you should spend one hour, you should spend two hours, you should spend a longer time. But you find yourself just doing, you know, quickies, like you might have showed us two weeks, like ejaculatory prayers, that's all you do. You just pray on the go. You don't have these set times. So now what has happened? You don't, you think, I think I'm not the one for praying. I think there are some people that have the gift. So now you're saying you don't have the gift you know, praying. So see the reason they were given. So you have all this, and then you're trying to resolve the problem. You go online, you read some books, you read some articles, or what do you see? You see some, you, you, you read, read all the articles on Desiring God, you read all the articles on the Gospel Coalition, Relevant Magazine, and all, and you keep trying all those tips and tricks, you know, praying, and prayer is, is some boring thing, you can get boring, you know what you should do? Try, try sketching when you pray, you know, read that on Relevant Magazine. Try to do some kind of art, because it gets boring on time. 
So you try that, you see that, man, this is not going to last. So what's happening? You are having all of these reasons. You don't have time. You don't have energy. You don't have tolerance for waste. You don't have holiness. You, have short, you don't have words. You don't have anything to pray. Or maybe you're like me. As I look forward to a possible life in ministry, I, I started to read about, my, about forbears, about people who have, you know, have gone ahead. And I just, I just see their lives. I see how they prayed so hard. And I, and I say to myself, Dami, you can't make it. Like, you're done. What? Like, if they were only able to achieve this by praying and look at how your life is, then you cannot, you're not going to make it. You know, it dawned on me like, like someone who, who missed the last flight. You know, you don't know me like someone who's told that, um, like a mother that is told that you, you can't have kids anymore. You know, that reality, like, is not possible. But we find Paul here saying, in, from verse 15, he's saying, I keep asking. Paul is saying, you see, I never stop giving thanks. This is Paul who is in prison for false accusation. This is Paul who is in prison for serving God. This is Paul who is in prison for caring for others. What does he have? What does he have? What, what is his ground? Why? Where is it coming from? You know, you can say, um, you know, Paul, Paul has the time, he's in prison, you know. <laughs> Paul has the quiet, he's in prison, you know, he has this tranquility to pray. Or you can also say that Paul has a strong need. You see, if you are in Paul's shoes, I'll pray. You see, if I was terminally ill, or if my father was kidnapped. Of course, I'll pray. And, and you should. The Bible says you should pray in Lord's Prayer, in First Timothy 2. Pray all kinds of prayer. In fact, in Ephesians 6, it says pray with all supplication. You should pray. But I'm not sure you would pray, right? I, I'm thinking you would rather wallow in self-pity. I'm thinking you would rather, um, you, you ra- you'd rather be too anxious. I'm, I'm thinking that what we find ourselves is to resort to shallow, some superstitious, ceremonial, what if it works kind of prayer. But you see what Paul is saying? Paul, <laughs> we see this scripture in this text, on this passage, that Paul does not even pray for his release from prison. Paul does not pray for his friends not to forget him. Paul does not pray that his, that his enemies should die by fire. Can you see what Paul is, not, Paul is, Paul is praying for here? In fact, in this letter, in... Um, in this passage I'm preaching from, from where Emmanuel preached from, from where Francis will preach from, from where Yemi preached from, from where Femi will preach from, Paul does not, he never asks for the economic circumstances of his, of his believers to be changed. He does not ask. He does not. He does not ask for the circumstances of Christians who are not being able to work to change. You see, if Paul was going to pray for city church, if Paul was going to pray for Christians in Lagos, Paul will not pray that we should have more time. Paul is not going to pray that you should have more energy. Paul is not going to pray that you should have more words. Paul is not going to pray that you should have the gifts. Paul is not going to pray that you should leave, that you should leave Lagos. Or that maybe you should leave your spouse. Maybe he's the one preventing you from praying. <laughs> why we complain about our lack of all things that does not prevent us to pray. Why, why we complain about um, you know, our, everything that we don't have. You know, Paul is talking about from verse 3, because previous 12 verses, you see Paul is saying that every blessing, he's talking about every blessing, we're talking about lack. Paul is talking about that there is this riches, there's this incomparably great power, as Femi has just read for us. He's talking about this, you are saying you, don't have, you have a weakness, you have this, you don't know what to pray, you don't know how to pray, the things are not working for you. Paul is talking about some kind of abundance. Paul is talking about some, some stuff that is pushing, that motivates him to pray. It's as though Paul is praying for People who have everything. And that is why I've started to say one. 
Paul a, a prayer for those who have everything. There is something that Paul finds as his ground, that's something more, some abundance, some, some stuff that we don't seem to know that we have, that we don't seem to connect to, that Paul is relying on, that stimulates him to pray. So a prayer for everything. So why do we pray this prayer? Because we find that we are spiritually, you know, empty or poor, or, and it's a vicious circle. So you don't pray, you have a life of prayerlessness, and then you, you grow increasingly spiritually poor and empty. And then you don't get to pray because of that. And then you go increasingly spiritually poor and empty. And then you don't get to pray because of that. It's a vicious circle. We're stuck in the rut. But Paul has answers for us. So from verse 15, we see Paul says, for this reason. Paul is saying, for this reason. What reason? What is Paul trying to explain? For this reason. He says, for this reason, I keep asking. For this reason, I never stop giving thanks. What reason is Paul referring to? So I said, we started from the 15th verse. But if you look from 3 to 14, 12 verses earlier, Paul starts, you know, this with a summarizing statement that, that kind of ushers in the vast vista of the blessings that Paul relies upon, you know, to pray. The ground, the reason that Paul prays. And he says, by, it starts like this. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, who has blessed us. This is in the past tense. You see, if you read Titus 1, Titus 1 9, it says, before the beginning of time, he has blessed us. It's in the past tense. This is what Paul is relying on to pray. Has blessed us. In fact, if you read from 3 to 4, you see, using words like, God has chosen us, God has blessed us, God has predestined us, God has lavished us, God has marked us, God has sealed us. He's using past tense. God has blessed us. So it's not something I'm trying to, you know, show us or some new stuff. Past tense. God has blessed us. With every spiritual blessing, everything that our soul and our heart and our mind needs, that Paul finds, that Paul finds as the ground of a prayer. And where does he bless us? You see, and he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in every place in Christ. In Christ. It's, it's that, you know, you remember in Romans 6 or in Ephesians 2, in Romans 6, say we are united in death with Christ. In Ephesians 2, it talks about that we have been raised up with Christ. We are, we are seated in every place in Christ. We are made alive in Christ. You see, so far that we trust in Christ, so far that we put our faith in Christ, so far that we're united with Christ, we have these blessings, this ground for praying, this for this reason that Paul speaks of. We have it. So you are united in Christ. It's like see, we are united in Christ in his death, we are united in his resurrection, we are united in his ascension, we are united in his heavenly session, where is he is now, we are united in his return, we are united. Like everything that Christ has, that Paul knows that he has. We also have Christians in Lagos, Christians in the city church. We have this ground for praying. So this is the reason why we pray. So, but, 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 but what is united in Christ? I think we should spend a few seconds. So united in Christ, it, it's, it's like, you may say, no, not me. I, there is no, you know, there is, see, this is what it means. It's like being unqualified to attend an event or being not properly dressed to attend an event, right? And then you walk up to the door and the bouncer tells you, or the, the registration stand person tells you, oh, where's your name? My name is not, so how are you going to enter? You're not allowed. You can't enter here. When well, you say, I, I, I'm with him. You say, you're with who? Like, I'm with the celebrant. I'm with the convener of the party. Like, and then who is the convener? Then goes get him. I say, oh, come on. Why, why have you, I'm going to, so why, why, why did you not allow him to come in? Like, don't you, don't, do you, don't you know who he is? That's my son, or that's my friend, or that's my brother. That's someone I've known since. This is what it means to be united with Christ. So far that we are Christians, we have that union in Christ such that everything that Christ has, 
that God has blessed us with in Christ Jesus, we have access to. And this is ground that Paul finds for prayer. So let's some of these blessings. You see, from 3 to 14, if you look in verse 5, it talks about um, um, adoption, that he has predestined us to be adopted in the one who he loves. Adoption. What does adoption mean? In Manon showed us two weeks ago, the adoption means when he, when he showed us the pictures of JFK and his son, you know, playing under his desk and his cupboard on his table. Adoption refers to that we have access, that we have, we have, um, we have access to God. We have access the same way Christ had access, has access. We have access to God. We have access to everything that God has provided us in Christ. You see, we don't need a permission. We don't need a pass. We don't need... We, we don't need any permission. You see, there is no time, in the same way that there was no time, as the original show, that Christ ever prayed without referring to God as Father. There was no time. You see, like Christ, there, was, there was no way Christ prayed to God without addressing him as Father. In fact, he died praying, calling God Father, even in that moment of great pain. You see, if that same access we have, but it's more than access. Our adoption is more than access. Our adoption is also an assurance. And I'll ask you, you see, what sort of good father is it um, that never tells his children that he loves them, but always threatens them, threatens to throw them out, to disown them if they behave badly. Is that, is that a good father? Okay, we'll ask again. Um, <laughs> okay, you may say, you know, some, some, you, you, may say, you may say some kids deserve that. Some kids deserve that. But, but, you, but you know what you're just talking about? You're talking about yourself. That you are, you know, we, we were hell-bound. We were... We're, we're not deserving of God's grace, of God's mercy. What we, what we deserve is death. What we deserve is eternal destruction. You see, if there's anybody that deserves to be disowned, it's us. But God is saying in adoption that he cannot, that he cannot think of it, that a mother can forget a child at his breast, but me, I will never forget you. That is what of assurance. You see, how many of us have sacked our, our tailors? You've sacked your barbers. You've sacked your drivers. You know, yes, I'm loving, I should forgive as in Christ Jesus. But they keep repeating the same mistakes. And you say, this guy is going to, he's going to ruin my career. I, I let him go. But God is saying, see, regardless of the number of mistakes you've made, this is, the, well, this is a blessing, this is a ground that Paul finds for prayer. Regardless of the number of mistakes you've made, he says, I'm not going to let you go. You, you cannot do anything to undermine my love. Nothing can separate us, as we sang, from the love of God. That is in where? In Christ Jesus. This is what we have. Assurance. Assurance. You see, in our careers or in our life, you see, if you're a musician, if you're an artist or you're an MD or you work in a company, you, 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 your last idea you brought that brought any profit to the company was maybe five years ago or maybe four years ago. So you, know, you know your days are, are being numbered. <laughs> there's, there's, as, there's as much as the company can, 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 can patience who can tolerate you. You know, when was your last hit song? You're, you're no longer raining. You, you, your last song was in 2005. When that was, now we are singing some kind of new music. You see, you are gone. The world does not give us time. The world does not give us security. But God is saying, in Christ Jesus, you have assurance. This is what adoption means. This is a ground. You're looking for a ground, a reason to draw to God in prayer. So he's saying, oh, you draw away because you, you sin repeatedly. You draw away because you think you don't know how to pray. He's saying, see, you have assurance. Before you ever open your mouth to pray, you, I'm ready there. I'm listening to you. I'm hearing you. I have not forsaken you. It's the ground of power. So there's, another, there's another blessing. Another one is redemption. So you find it in 3 to 4. So you find it um, in, in that verse um, 11. Redemption. How do I describe this? So you, you, redemption is, do you, long for, do you long for the release of the rest of the Chibor girls? Okay. Um, did you cringe when you heard that some families paid Evans a kidnapper as much as $1 million? 
Do you know what redemption is? Do you know what redemption means ransom? It means that Christ paid with his priceless life, his priceless life. He paid so that you can be released from the terrorizing power of sin. Christ paid with his priceless life so that you can be released from the enslaving power of the idols of work, of family, of career, of all those things that hold you back, that have made you to resort to a life of prayerlessness. Christ paid far more than a million dollars is eternal life. He paid with it so that he can be released from this, from this, from this evil power of sin, from this life of prayerlessness, so that you can have this access, that you can have this, this, this life of, of power over sin. That is redemption. That is what ransom is. This is grounds that Paul is speaking of and say, this is the ground, these are grounds that are from prayer. Now you say, okay, Dami, um, I know... I, I, know what, I know what you're talking about. See, I, I, you, there are two kinds of people right here, not, right now. So one kind of saying, that means, see, I know. I know about adoption. I, I know that God assures me. I know I'm secure in Christ. I know I have assurance. But you see, I still feel scared. I still feel short of words. I still feel um, guilty. I, 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 don't still, I don't still feel like, you know, I'm not powerful enough to pray. That's one set of people. Another set of people will be, see, um, I already know. See, I, I can teach a class. On justification, I, I, I've, been, I've taken several courses, you know, in theology, deep theology, in adoption. I can teach. I can teach you that you are trying to preach. I can teach you. Palmer. See, there is nothing about this. You see, but there are two tests to prove if you really, really know, if you really, really know these blessings, if you really, really live in light of these blessings, if these blessings are really your life. There are two tests. Now we find in scripture. So you find that in verse six, twelve, and fourteen. Verse six. Um, 12 and 14, Paul keeps referring that these blessings are to the praise of his glorious grace. These blessings are to the praise of his glorious grace. This is to the praise of his glorious grace. So see, this is how you know if, you, if these blessings are really your life, if you really know these blessings in your life. Do you constantly thank God for your adoption as sons? Do you constantly thank God for your redemption? Paul says, you see, I, for this reason, I never stop giving thanks. That is how you know. You see, you, 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 Daddy, let's move on to, to deep stuff. Let's move on to deep questions about rapture, about um, eschatology. But you fail to give thanks for what the access that you have, the assurance that you have, your ransom. It is not really your life. The blessings are not really your life. So, see, so the next, the next um, test is, do you continue to pray? Paul says, for this reason, I never stop giving thanks. For this reason, I keep asking. So do you continue to pray? <laughs> you keep asking. Or you, you already know it. You know it. It's, there's nothing new. I know everything. Do you, do you keep praying? Like, God, I, mean, I cannot just believe that you've adopted him. What manner of love, like John said, what manner of love is this that God has had towards me, that me, that we should be called the sons of God? Does he marvel you? Do you live in her? Do you live in wonder of this? Do you constantly ask for this? This is, this is how you know if it's really your life. And that brings to the next point. So, what is this prayer? What is this prayer that we pray? In verse 17, Paul says, I pray that so that you may know him better. In verse 18, it says, so that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In verse 18, it says again, so that you may know the hope of his calling, so that you may know the riches of his glory and everything, so that you may know the incomparably great power for those who believe. This is what Paul is praying for. This is what the prayer is about. This is the prayer that you pray for those who have everything. 
knowing better. So I say, you see, Paul is, Paul is not saying take additional classes in theology, take additional classes in, in this, as, as important as that is. Paul is saying pray. You see, you don't, you don't get to know these blessings. You don't get to know God better by studying. You study starts from study, but the kind of knowledge Paul speaks of, he says, pray so that you can know. Pray is what he says. He says, keep asking so that you can know. In Lagos, yeah, we know. In Nigeria, we know, um, we know, we, we know what has come out of poor theology. We know what has come of um, inadequate or unbiblical preaching, you know, and all that. And it's true. I wanted to question. I wanted to question. I want us to be able to question every false teaching. I want us to be able to question every wrong teaching by all means. But this is it. I also want us to be able to question false values, false habits, false expectations that do not match our genuine theology. One of which is prayerlessness. Oh, you know God so much. Why don't you pray so much? Oh, you know God so much. Why don't you give thanks so much? That is not consistent with your good theology. It's not. See, these people have been taught by Paul, Apollos, Timothy was, was in Ephesus. They are, they, they are the best of teachers. So he's not talking about whether some kind of new, this is the kind of knowledge you're speaking of. It comes by praying. You say, pray. You pray. You pray. You see, or, or that you don't, or that you, or that you depend on yourself more than God. Does it show that you know God like better or more? Because that is how we tend to live our lives daily. So this kind of knowledge. You see, and this knowledge is not known by that you are fluent in talking about the things of God or that text of scripture remarkably comes to your mind. There's no proof that you know God better. You see, that you are confident about your salvation and you can even talk in a way that makes others think that you must be a Christian. There's no proof that you know God better. That you, can, that you cry and kneel on your knees when worship songs are being sung or that you can preach on prayer. It's not a proof that you know God better. See, Jonathan Edwards, the outstanding 18th century theologian and preacher, known for his commitment to sound biblical doctrine and his fascination with how um, the senses, the emotions relate to our reason, helped to show all this. Helped to show this. He proved the signs in his book, um, The Religious Affections. So, or, or, or don't you believe this? Or don't you think these this, this signs that are not proved that I've shown you is true? Look, look, at, look at some tests again. You see, do you, do you not wish to be, in your life, do you not wish to be perceived as cheerful? You wish to be perceived as a positive person. But do you habitually thank God for everything you have? Do you praise His glorious grace in your life? You don't know God better. If that is, if that is not true about you, that is true about you. I just really love the Lord, you know. I just really love the Lord. Um, becoming a Christian is one of the best things that, that has happened to me. But if you are prayerless, is that true? Is it? So what is this knowing God better? What is, what is this knowing God better? So Paul uses a metaphor to help us understand better. That's why I say the eyes of your hearts. Being enlightened, use a metaphor to explain. Can kind of show what is this knowing better? Is it in the Bible? So eyes of your heart being enlightened. In the Bible, heart does not mean it means more than emotions. Is it yes? Our heart feels anxiety. John fourteen one. Our heart feels sorrow. First First Samuel one eight. Our, our heart feels joy. We find it in Deuteronomy twenty eight. Emotions, yeah. But our heart also thinks. Proverbs twenty three seven. Out of the heart, 
or as a man thinketh in his heart. We find in Daniel 2.30, Acts 8.22, that our heart thinks too. It's not just a seat for emotion, our heart thinks. Our heart also wills and makes decisions. We find it in Proverbs 16.1. We find it in Proverbs 16.9. We also see it in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7. Our heart makes decisions. So, you see, in biblical, in biblical lingo, the heart is the seat of thinking, is the seat of feeling, is the seat of actions. That is what our hearts are. Paul is saying, see, the heart, that your old thinking, your old reasoning, your old actions will be changed, will be transformed by this knowledge of God. You see, we are to pray that the light of God will so dawn in our hearts such that our acting, our actions will conform to Christian standards, both in public and in private. That's what we are to pray for. You see, Ephesians 1 to 3 shows oh, all the blessings we have received, what we are receiving in Christ. But from 4 to 6, it starts showing how does this blessing reflect your life? How does it affect your work? How does it affect your wealth? How does it affect parents? How does it affect marriage? So we are to pray for this. We are to also pray that the beauty of God's holiness would so capture our hearts that we, that we both have feelings of joy in Christ Jesus for the blessings that we receive daily, but that we also have godly sorrow and mourning for sin. Do you mourn as much for sin the same way you are happy and glad for the blessings that you have received through Christ Jesus? We are to also pray that God will be so lovely to us in and of himself that our spiritual appetites and our spiritual attainment will match. Hey, you have to pray that, God, don't let me know anything new, any new theology, if the past previous sermons, if the past previous teachings that I've learned are not real in my life. You know, they, they ought to match. That is what Paul is praying, the eyes of your heart, that he be enlightened. This is what his prayer is. But he even makes it clearer, right? He makes it clearer. He says the hope of your calling. He says the riches of your glorious inheritance. He says the, um, the, the incomparably great power. So the word hope. So let me just quickly draw a few seconds. Or a few. Um, hope in the Bible does not mean, you know, in case it happens or in case it does not happen. Hope, hope here means, it means, according to Tim Keller, it says, um, a pastor in New York City. He says, hope is a life-shaping certainty about your future. Or ask, let's ask ourselves this way. You see, many years ago, maybe when you went for an interview or something, you asked, what is your five-year plan? That's my worst question, interviews. <laughs> what is your five-year plan? Or as a businessman, what is your 35-year you know, goal? There is nothing wrong with those. Nothing wrong with those. But have they now become? You see, this is you see this hope, glory, and rich. This hope, glory, and power I'm about to describe. It is the reality of the blessings that, are, that we received in Christ becoming real in our lives. That is what is hope, glory, and power refers to. So, as your life now become um, aged upon or motivated by this five-year plan that you have, or this, the dreams of the kind of parent that you wanted to be, or by the, the hopes of what you have achieved by now in your career, or what your child will become. Is that where your hope lies? Okay. Do you feel crushed? Do you feel um, cast down, like abandoned, like destroyed, like you don't want to? You see, if you ever feel that way, when some deal did not come through, or when 
your, your wife did not heed to one advice of yours, or when that boyfriend or that guy turned you down, or that guy threw away, you feel abandoned. You know, it's fine you feel sad, right? 2 Corinthians 4, 8, is saying, yeah, you can be cast down, but you should not be destroyed. You can be perplexed, but you should not be dis- despair. But if you are in despair, you feel like life is not worth living because of these things that have happened to you, then it shows, it reflects that that has become your hope, not the blessings, not all that you have in Christ Jesus. It is not real in your life. And that is what we are trying to pray about. We want to pray that these blessings become real in our life, that these will become our hope. It will become what defines us. You see, how do you know again? You see, the same way you know the best houses to rent in Lekki in the time of flood. You know, how do, how do we know if this is really your life? It's when flood, some kind of sun, some kind of evil thing happens to you. And then we see your true color. And then you see how you react. You see you're exposed. You see this the same way, that's, how, that's when you know. That's how you know that these blessings are not real in your life. We are to pray that we will know the hope of God's calling. God has done something in eternity past that affects eternity future. He called you by himself. He predestined you. He chose you. He marked you. He sealed you. He's saying, see, your future is as sure as your past. Are you sure that you're a Christian? Or are you sure that you're seated here? He's saying, if you are sure that you're seated in this building, so is your glorious future. So sure it is. Why are you moved by these, these things? Why are you moved by this sprinkling, this drizzling? Really, not even a plot yet. So why, why are you moved? Why do you find it at night to sleep well, to turn aside because someone insulted your office? Or because you couldn't take that picture when you went to that resort? What am I going to show my friends now on Instagram? You see, that is what has come to be your hope. You, you, do, you need to pray for this. You see, this hope is also, this hope, because in Ephesians, throughout, Paul is praying for the church, he's praying for all the Christians. It is that when, when a Christian brother annoys you, when a Christian sister does some evil you you're not you're not quick to react you're not quick to insult you're not quick to discourage them you're saying ah god has called god 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 has called emmanuel his glorious future is as sure as his past as, as all that god has done in christ jesus i'm not going to quickly judge him i'm not going to quickly discard him i'm not going to quickly discourage him he walks out in our life so let's quickly go to glory this is very striking see this glory one is striking he says we are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the Holy Spirit, in, in the saints. He, you see, he's not saying that, the, he's not talking about the inheritance that we are going to have. He's not talking about, oh, all that awaits you in Christ Jesus. That, that, the scripture says a lot about that. But he's saying, we are the riches of God's glorious inheritance. He's saying, we are, to, to, to be simple, we are the sugar in his tea. He's saying that, we are the apple of his eyes. Let me use something contemporary to describe this. A few weeks back, one of Nigeria's uh, most popular pop artists, right, most popular pop artists, he has two singles, probably the maybe best-selling, best-hit singles this year. He went gaga, he went crazy on Instagram, he went crazy on Snapchat, he, he just went crazy and wild. Why was this? It was because the, the word player of the year, a four-time word for love here. I mean, probably the sexiest sportsman in the world followed him on Instagram. He went crazy. He went gaga. was shouting, screaming everywhere. And oh, what's up now? What's, why are you like this? What's, what's wrong with you? You see, he went as far as I saw some T-shirts where he wrote the guy's name, Mr. He put the guy's name. You know, this is the guy that had sung maybe weeks before that he has 30 billion in his account. 
we don't know what currency or Harry that is, but it's something that you're telling you. But then someone, this, this word fuller, this four-time word fuller, followed him and he went crazy. You see, he went as far as cutting a new haircut. He wrote the guy's number. The guy wears seven, the, the, the footballer, what fuller, he wears seven. He wrote seven on his head and then showed it all over Instagram. He followed him. You see, I have a better offer for that guy. I'm saying that if he's united with Christ, if he puts his trust in Christ, if he's in Christ, if he knows all that God has blessed him in Christ, if he knows how that Christ has ransomed him by his blood, that God is following him. It's not that you're following him. God is following him. If he has that, God is following him. Like the king of the world, the one who made all beautiful persons, all handsome. Footballer. Who gave that footballer his gift? Who gave him the success? Who gave who built the club the footballer place for? Follows him. If he has his trust in Christ, a better offer. You see, maybe that's not clear enough. It's like, this is how you know if this, if 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 you really believe, if you really know that you're the riches of God, if you, if you know this really in your life, is this. So the guy is talking about 30 million dollars. It's like someone coming to meet you and say, um, you see, I have 30 billion dollars in my account, but but I I don't, I'm just broke, Sha. I don't really have, I don't know what I'm going to. He has 30 billion, he's real, we can ascertain that he has 30 billion dollars in his account. And he's, he still feels broke. He feels like he can't do anything in life. He's like, he's hungry. What would you say to that person? He's, he does not know. Is it not the same way we act? Is it not the same way we live? Do we live as though we have this every spiritual blessing in Christ? What we have in Christ that God has given us is far more, a whole lot more than $30 billion. I think the best way to put this or to describe this, one more is to say that God is going to destroy the whole world. You know, the world and everything it is passing away. It's going to, everything is going to end in, it's going to, it's going to all swallowed up. It's like, maybe I should start this way. It's like, if you have a child and you receive the call from work that your house is in fire, is ablaze, everything, and then you run, will run to your house. Well, what do you try to scramble out there? What do you try to bring out first? What do you try to bring out there? Your child, you, regardless of whatever is in your house, whatever, all of the elements in your house, whatever is in your house, what do you try to bring out first is your child. God is saying, see, I'm going to destroy everything in this world, but I'm going to bring you out. You see, everything, everything, everything in the world is on its way out. Everything in the world is going to come down. But you, I'm going to bring out. That is what it means that we are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I can, I can die for you. You know, the boy tells you, I can die for you. I, I give my life for you. I give everything for you. Yes, maybe, maybe, maybe he does dies for you. But something else is going to kill you. You're still going to die. But God is saying, I, I, I died for you so that you will never die, so that you will live forever. Is as far as God went for us in Christ Jesus. Is we are the riches. And this, this, will the, this, will this will be the shortest. This will be the shortest. You see, but, but in line of that glory, you also see that you treat your brothers, you treat your Christian sisters and brothers differently. You don't want to annoy them. You, don't want, to, you want to seek their good. You want to seek the best of them. Because you know that, hey, this sister is precious to God. She, she's so special to my father. The same way God loves Jesus, God loves TJ. So why should, why should I just, see, I'll just tell her like it is, and that's the kind of person I am. You know, I just give you the truth straight. I, I don't, I'm not, I don't mean, I, I don't polish things. I just give it to you. Hey, that person is the apple of God's eye. That is the sugar in God's tea. That is someone God died for. 
she's the richest. She's, 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 she's God's inheritance. She's, something that makes God happy. That is, that is how she is to God. And you dare treat her the way you do. So power, quickly. Paul says, incomparably great power for us who believe. See, we need to pray. Pray for this. This hope is really in us. That this glory is really in us. This riches of glory is really in us. That this power is really in us. Incomparably great power for us who believe. You see, God's power is off the chart. It's not on the chart. It's, you can't compare anything. 100 billion supernovas, 100 billion dynamites, you know, nuclear power, economic power, financial power. There is nothing like it. Nothing. But he says, if you read further, that 19, a, you go to 19b. It says, for us who believe, according to the power, according to that same power that was exalted in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead. What, what, is, what is more powerful in this world than death? Death is a great leveler. Some of us are HR, we are motivational, you know, motivational speakers or you know, coaches. I, I, I kind of done it in the past. And I've been with some of them, and they kind of ask you this to put your life in focus, to put your life in, you know, in line. So they ask you. So imagine that you have um, one million dollars, or you have thirty billion dollars, and you have only six months left to live. How would you live your life differently? Or you know, people who, in the face of death. Absolutely readjusted everything. No, no, I'm not going to do this waste of my time. You know, those waste of my time. I'm just going to focus on this. I'm going to focus on my service towards an NGO. I'm just going to focus on my work on, on, on the work of God. And I also go have six months to live. You see, death makes us see things that are in line, makes us see the things that are most important to us. It's the power of death. Hey, but what we have here, you see, this power that raised Christ from the dead. Paul is saying, Paul said somewhere, he said, oh, death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy power? You ransomed us when we sang What a Beautiful Name. From the power of sin and grave. The power that raised... We're not talking about death. We're not talking about death as a motivation anymore. We're not talking about death as something that leads you anymore. We're talking about the power of resurrection. So I'm not asking you to imagine. I'm not asking you to imagine. I'm saying, see, you have more than $30 billion. You have power that is more than what death can motivate you to do. So how would you live? Do you know this power in your life? Do you know it? Do you, do you see that there is nothing the motivation speaker asks us to give you? There is nothing the coach, in this regard, they have a lot of gold they can do, but in this regard, do you see that there is nothing else that can bring your life to focus? There's nothing that can make you live in light of the most important things to you than this power that raised Christ from the dead. I'm, you're not imagining, you have it right now. But we don't know, so we have to pray I will know this incomparably great power. So how do we pray this prayer? How do we pray this prayer? You see, remember first, quickly, remember first in John 17 that Jesus Christ has already prayed this prayer for you. Hey, he says, see, I do not pray that you, you take them out of this world. No, 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 you keep them, but protect them from the evil one. He said, the same glory that I have that you've given me that you give them, not only to these apostles that I preach to, is it but to those who believe in their name. Are you one of those that believe in Christ Jesus? Have you put your trust in Christ Jesus? You're a non-Christian here. Do you see what, what, what Christians have? Do you, do you see the stuff we are made up of? Do you see all that we have in Christ Jesus? So remember that Christ prayed this prayer for you.
Is it but Christ did not pray. Christ, yeah, he ascended. But he says, see, I, I will not leave you comfortless. I will, I will not go. I will not leave you as an orphan. He said, I will send you the Spirit. Romans 8, 20, Romans 8, 26, 27. He said, for we know not what to pray as we ought. He still knows that he has prayed this prayer, but we still find it weak. We find it hard. We find it trying to pray this prayer. He said, I will give you the Spirit. He helps you to pray. You see, the spirits that we find in Ephesians 1, you see, you find in that Ephesians 1 um, that we read from that 19, 20, you see, no, no, Ephesians 1, <clears throat> that Paul says, I pray that the spirit gives you knowledge and wisdom that you may know God better. You see, it's not a special kind of spirit. It's the same spirit. Because we find in, um, where in Emmanuel showed us two weeks ago that that will be filled with the knowledge of God's will according to the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. It's the Holy Spirit. You see, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one that can reveal to us, can make us know God better, can make us know the power, the glory better. You see, we, we find in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6 to 16, he said, Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, it has not come to the heart of any man, the things that God has revealed to those that love him. He said, For he has revealed them to us by his Spirit. So, this Spirit that Christ has promised us can help us, is to, that lives in us, is not distant. In Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, he said, say, the promised Holy Spirit that you have received when you put your hope in Christ Jesus, you have the Spirit praying inside of you, praying for you, making intercessions for you. As Christ is making intercessions for you, the Holy Spirit is making intercessions for you. If the Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, if He lives in us, He lives in us. He does live in us. That power that raised Christ from the dead it's for us that believe. He lives in us, helps us to pray. This is how we pray this prayer. Well, I'm going to be more practical. If you want to get a bit practical, what are you going to do? So you find Paul say, I keep asking, I keep praying. So you want to pray this prayer constantly. This prayer we find in 15 to 19a. You want to pray constantly. You want to pray, you want to, you want to pray it over and over. You see, I tried praying this prayer some time ago for six months. No, I, I didn't make six months. Like every day for six months. Well, I, I tried to do it for three months. You, you pray it constantly. Just every day is a simple prayer. And you, when, when you spend your quiet time, when you finish studying or you finish, you just pray this prayer. Oh God, that your spirits will help me know you better. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Oh God, that you will help my eyes of understanding to be enlightened. That I will know the hope of your calling. That I will know the riches of your glorious inheritance and the saints. That I will know your incomparably great power for us who believe. You pray constantly. You see, I keep asking. Something I've said, it's not that like Paul prays under his breath. See, ask Toki or ask anybody who goes to the gym. Nobody builds ab on the fly. You don't build abs on the fly. You know, anytime I just in the bus, I just feel like, I just feel like Jimmy. I just take something in my back, you know, while in the traffic, I just do it. It just comes in. That, that's how I've made it this way. No, no, no. You set times. <laughs> so you set times. You see, Paul would have prayed morning and evening, or Jesus. He said, Jesus rose up in the morning as he was wounds to pray. I keep asking. That's what it means. Oh, morning and evening. And 9 a.m. every day. 6 p.m. every day. Or whenever I do my quiet, I'm going to pray this prayer every day. Can, can you pray this prayer for the next one month, as this month ends? That you will know. That your eyes will understand and be enlightened. Just pray this prayer constantly. At set times. Can you camp? The second thing is, can you camp around these scriptures? Just camp. Latent there. Latent. Just stay on it. 3 to 14, you see, adoption, redemption, the glory, the hope, the power, and just meditate on it before you pray. Meditate on it every time. You just meditate before you pray. Meditate until you begin to see. Ask yourself, as we've asked us to do in our meditative prayer guide, how would my life be different if this is really me? 
two things can you pray with and for others? Paul said, I pray for, he's not praying for himself, you know. He was praying for you, he was praying for the fish. Can you pray with others? Can you pray? Anytime you go to someone's house, when you visit, can, can, can you just pray before you leave? Yeah, and say, yeah, I know you've shared this with me in Lolade. I know these things you're going through is really tough. And I, I pray that God would um, bring those things to you, those needs to you. But I also pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you will see what you already have. Oh, I'll pray for you. I'll pray, pray on the phone. Pray right there. Pray right there on the phone. Pray right there on the phone. Oh, I shared something with after service. Can we just pray? Are you so ashamed of the blessings that you've received? You can't pray in public just by the side of the church or the corner. Pray right there. Pray. Pray with them. Pray for them. Tell people that you're praying for them. And do pray for them. Thank God for them. Thank God for all God is doing in City Church. Thank God for all God is doing in the life of your friend, of your, in the church. Like, thank God for City Church, the gospel movement that God is catalyzing. Thank God, has your life not been different? Or is it just a sham? Would you thank God? Would you pray for Christians, for the church? As we pray this by the help of the Holy Spirit, I know that um, gradually, as the psalmist says, 8 4, 8 5, it says that our hearts are set on a pilgrimage. Those that appear before Zion, they grow from strength to strength. My, my soul, my heart yearns for you, yearns for the courts of the Lord. Twenty-seven, Psalm 27. One thing I ask, O Lord, that I may gaze upon your beauty, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You see, it's so sure. The same way that you trust an elevator when you climb upon it, you're not trying to do anything. It lifts you up by itself. The same way the Holy Spirit would help you as you pray this prayer. Let us pray. Glorious Father, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, I ask that you would grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better. I pray that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we may know the hope of your calling, that we may know the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints, that we may know the incomparably great power for us who believe. That same power you exerted in Christ Jesus when you raised him from the dead. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.